Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This Sunday we have two commemorations. We have the commemoration of the resurrection that we rejoice in every Sunday, but this particular Sunday, because it is November 21st, we have the feast of the entrance of the Theotokos into the temple. Double joy. Rejoicing in our Lord's resurrection, rejoicing in the example in the life of the Virgin. The Gospel readings, and this is why we have two different Gospel readings, one for the resurrection and one for this feast, we have the rich man who has been quite successful. And so he turns and thinks to himself, and we get a little picture into his interior monologue. What am I going to do? I don't have enough place to put all of my stuff. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise all of this to the ground, and I'm going to build back greater. And there I will store all my crops. And then in his internal monologue, he then says, and then I'll say to myself, because apparently he likes to talk to himself, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Now you can take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Unbeknownst to him, his time had come. And now God breaks up the internal monologue with quite a statement. God starts off, Fool! This night your soul will be required of you. And all the things that you've gained, they're nothing. And then our Lord says, So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God will be a little surprised. We then have the example of Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. Our Lord comes. They know who our Lord is. They have, as you have when you have guests over, there is the preparation beforehand, and then there's always the preparation and catching up with what actually happens when the people arrive. So Martha is running to and fro. She's making sure that there's a knife at every place. She's making sure the settings are all, that everything is accounted for. She's double-checking everything that they have in the stores, in the pantry, or whatever they would call that in Israel at the time. And she sees her sister, Mary, just sitting at the feet of Jesus, absorbing what he has to say. And so... She goes to our Lord and says, could you tell her to come help me? She's left me alone to serve. And our Lord says to her, and you know when scripture, when our Lord says, Martha, Martha, it's not just once. You can see him looking at her. You're worried about a lot of things. You're anxious. You're troubled. But one thing is needed. And Mary, 
has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken away from her. One thing is needful. Where are our treasures? The themes beautifully align this morning. The rich man and Martha have similar challenges. What is the most important thing? Where are our treasures? Where is our attention? The feast of the entrance of the Theotokos, again, beautifully aligns with the theme that we have discerned from both Gospels. The Theotokos is three years old. Joachim and Anna are offering her in complete dedication and sacrifice to the service of God. Their precious gift from God that they had sought through prayer and fasting and tears, they now, just three odd years later, give back to God. We see in this the echoes of Hannah from the Old Testament and her dedication of Samuel, whom she had sought in tears in the temple, and then turned and sacrificed him in service of God by bringing him to live and serve in the temple. We also in the New Testament hear echoes of Anna the prophetess, whom scripture tells us, this is the entrance of Jesus into the temple, we have Simeon and Anna, that Anna never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So what was the Theotokos' life in the temple? In her complete dedication, her singleness of mind and heart, the laying up of treasure and of attention and focus upon God. Well, she was being trained. The life in the temple was an education. It was an education of her senses, all five of them, what she was looking at, what she was listening to, what she was tasting, what she was smelling, what she was touching. It was a training, an education, a preparation, because the tradition and story of the church the entrance of the, in, of the Theotokos into the temple was not just her coming into hanging out in uh, what you call the nave of the temple. Zacharias, as we can see on the icon that's before us, the high priest, the father of John the Baptist, he discerns in Mary that we have a new Ark of the Covenant. Because at this time in the temple, because this is a rebuilt temple, there's a reason why they call it the second temple period, they did not have the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't have the Ten Commandments. They didn't have all of the things that had been previously kept within the Holy of Holies. So when Zacharias sees the Theotokos discerning what her journey, what her purpose, what her life was going to be, he brings her into the very Holy of Holies. And that is what is depicted in the icon at the top left, where she is perched above, that is symbolizing her within the temple, where she is fed by the angels in the Holy of Holies. Her training and education of being in the midst of the Holy of Holies 
was the education of the senses, was the education of her mind. The reading and studying of scripture is a very common iconographic depiction of her, sometimes in the East, more in the Latin-speaking church, to have her, I'm sure you've seen in the Annunciation, especially in the West, many depictions. What is Mary doing? She's got a book. The archangel Gabriel interrupts her reading, such that when she looks startled away, the book is laid open. Many times it has a prophecy that she's reading there. The training, not only of scripture, but of the services, because if she's in the temple, she's going to the services. This is education and training of her sense of duty and purpose, as she knew, as she discerned through prayer and through the word and example of what Zacharias had done for her, that she was to become the vessel of God. And of course, this is the education of her heart, a training of her desire, that she would be ready and willing when the archangel Gabriel comes to say yes. So we have the rich man who has built, raised, and built anew, and now is ready to relax. We have Martha, who's running around, distracted, anxious, with all the things that she has to do. And then we have the Theotokos, within the temple, training, preparing, readying her senses, her mind, her heart. And so this brings to us, especially as the church has put before us this feast at the beginning of the Nativity Fast, to ask us, where is our focus? We are besought by so many cares. We have to attend to our work. We have to attend to the, all of the emotional, physical, social, financial aspects of our families. We have to discern where our kids are going to school, how we're going to educate them. We have to discern and focus upon our friendships, all of the responsibilities and duties that we have, maybe even school for some of us. And in the midst of all of the things that we have to attend to, distraction, the losing of focus, the priorities shifting, But it's important to notice that none of these things are wrong in and of themselves. It is not that the rich man had been successful. That was the problem. It's not the problem necessarily that he needed to raise his barns and build back in order to keep his crops and his goods. And Martha is doing something that is important. Hospitality is incredibly important, especially in first century Israel. The key is priorities. What comes first? You can see the rich man's priority. He's preparing himself to where he can now kick back. He's going to make sure that he has everything that he needs. He's going to now eat, drink, and be merry. Martha can't even see Jesus because she's consumed with all of the things that she has 
to do. Again, our work, our families, school, all of these things, they're important. But are they the one thing needful? As our Lord says about Mary, as she is caught enraptured at his feet. The retraining of our focus, of our hearts, our minds, our senses, is given in the example of this feast. It is our submitting to the education of the church, of our life within the temple. Because the world around us is going to catechize us. The world around us is going to shape us. The world around us is going to tell your senses what they should desire. The world is going to tell you what you should prioritize. There's no neutral space. This is especially as we move into this time, the Nativity Fast and Christmas with all that Christmas brings, usually way ahead of the actual feast of Christmas, to ask us what absorbs our time, our minds, our imaginations, our hearts. What is feeding our first principles? Do we have first principles? What do we base them on? What foundation is our mind, our opinions, not just opinions, but convictions and beliefs? What are they built upon? More often than not, our sliding away ever so ever so little, away from the church, our shifting of our opinions away from what the church, I keep saying opinions, shifting of our beliefs or what we think, they shift ever so little. Our sudden, and I'm going to say sudden lack of desiring to come to church, to say our prayers, to embrace the fast, to embrace the life of following Jesus Christ, it's not something that we, we put as an item to do. <laughs> it's not something we say, I'm now going to uh, start not going to church so much. I'm going to start uh, changing my mind about things the church teaches. It is rather a reflection of what our priorities are, what we fed our minds, our imaginations, and our hearts. The path to sliding away, to the cooling of our hearts, the slow reformation of our minds, reflecting what the world thinks or teaches or imagines or wants us to desire, is reflected in what we're actually doing. If you were to ask Martha or the rich man, do you love God? What do you think they would say? Yes, of course. What are you talking about? And then you've had said, so what does your actions, your time, your priorities, the rich man obsessed with making sure that he can uh, take care of all the stuff that he has. Martha, who's making sure that everything is set, both missing God. We, as we especially begin this nativity fast, need to build up our riches toward God. Remember the one thing needful. The nativity fast especially as our culture likes to, likes to not fast at all and then feast for weeks before Christmas, let me encourage you to resist the temptation to feast during the fast. We have the feast in the days after Christmas, 
This is the cycle. If we don't fast, what is the feasting? It's just mindless eating one more sweet, one more thing that reflects in some way Christmas. This is, of course, use your discernment. You don't need to be the grump or the Grinch who stole Christmas at all the parties that are going to be happening beforehand. But you're in your discernment, you can be moderate. You can choose the shrimp cocktail <laughs> instead of the mutton or whatever is served. The attending of the divine services. Look at this feast. It is Mary going to church. Push yourself to attend services you've never attended or it's been a while since you've attended them. Or perhaps you've never attended them. Never attended a vigil. This, of course, then, what I'm about to say reflects what I said in the email this past week. Be on time. The services start at a particular time. I know it seems like, if you're used to coming at 9.30, that we've already been going for a little bit. And we have for about 20 minutes before 9.30. Those are preparatory. Those are given to you to prepare yourself so that when we say, blessed is the kingdom, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're here, you're ready, your hearts are open, your eyes, your ears, your mind are open, ready. This is also a time in this fast to confess. It's a time for growth beyond confessing one time a year. Or one time every few years. The church asks of us because we all know that we need a checkup. This is an opportunity with the Nativity Fast, especially because we're fasting, to simplify our lives, to assess, prioritize our schedule, what we're actually doing, what we're doing with our time, to plan for prayer, to plan for the services, to think ahead and to be ready for them. Plan to serve others. Plan to give alms. Increasing your prayers at this time, reflecting the Theotokos' time in the temple. We have a wonderful tradition that has st started up here of reading the Psalter, the entire Psalter during the Nativity Fast. Even if you did not sign up for it, you can still begin. And read a cathisma an evening. Read a gospel for the nativity fast. Read the gospel of Luke. Because you will get much of the story of the nativity. And then plan to feast. Plan to actually feast at the feast of the nativity. Not just with meat, dairy, and sweets. But attempt to learn the festive elements of the feast. Learn some carols. Even if you have to, you know, get Spotify or YouTube and press play to King's College or whatever it is that you enjoy for Christmas to sing along, to have others sing with you in your home, to join with others singing, to memorize and sing the Trapine of the Feast and sing it with your family, not just at the church. Because in the feast, we have, when the Theotokos enters into the temple, the story is that the third step, as they're reading the Psalms of Ascent into the temple, she starts dancing. The three-year-old dances 
with joy. Joy for what she is entering into. The joy of entering into the temple. The joy of entering the temple that we need to cultivate in our hearts now. So that that joy grows and grows. So that when we enter into the eternal temple, the presence of God, when we pass, that we too can dance in joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.